Hey guys, if you feel stuck in any areas of your life, be it business, work, finance, or in general, we are the podcast show for you. We are your hosts. I'm Jose. And I'm Atira. Uh, we hope to inspire you to build resilience in overcoming the uh, ever cities of life. So welcome down to another episode of Kazi, uh, where we believe that you should never let a good crisis go to waste. And more importantly, understanding entrepreneurship through these very difficult times. Today's guest with us, we have invited Yunsi. Yunsi is the CEO and founder of MOA, a bespoke and modularized ERP and EPM software platform. Yunsi actually started her legal career in Singapore after graduating from LSE Law School. Yunsi, welcome to our show. Hi, Jose. Um, hi, uh, Tira. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank How you are you doing joining. right now? Uh, very good. Very good. Just a little, um, you know, uh, saddened by this like a breaker rather than that. <laughs> Hopefully everything <laughs> gets back to normal pretty soon. We, we understand you're running a startup. How, how is you and your team coping despite the circuit breaker in Singapore? Well, um, for us, I think for any tech companies, there's not much um, operational changes, right? So because everyone just working on the desk and our team works sort of day and night. So we already had that um, working from home. We always work during weekends, really late at night. So it doesn't really make that much difference when it comes to operational things. But I guess when it comes to marketing, a lot of conferences were canceled. Um, we're currently part of a accelerator program and um, there are a lot of like demo days and all these things lined up, which everything moved to virtual. So uh, there was, there was quite a bit of change. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just got to cope and just move on. <laughs> ah, I yeah. see. That's actually how we met Atira. This is how I actually met Yun Si. Uh, was it about a month ago? Yeah, I think it was, I don't think it's um, maybe a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. A month yeah. Ago. When, when I was virtual still... networking? It was a, uh, yeah, kind of like a, a workshop, uh, okay. a, a web conferencing workshop. Would you would you call that that way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because weekly um, is a I it was it's called an IoT tribe, so um, it's an accelerator where they invite different experts. So Jose was an expert in um, Singapore yeah. grants and, and all that, so <laughs> he came in and gave gave a really good talk. Um, yeah. yeah, and then we connected from there. Yeah, in my previous engagement, I got to know and understand a little bit more about grants. Yeah, so that's, that was how we met. Good, good, good. Yeah. So we're going to start yeah, with so the first question. Right, Atira? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what, that was what I wanted to say. I feel like we, already, <laughs> we should start with our first question. So tell us what's your story. How do you get to where you're today right now? Right. Um, so it's, it's a very unusual story, I guess. So... Um, so I, I'm Korean. I've lived here um, in Singapore for about 10 years. But um, while I was here, I was sent off to boarding school in the UK. And um, I studied in, in a law school in LSE. So, you know, it started really hard to get into a good law school. So naturally, after graduating, I got, I got working in a law firm here in Singapore. And I had this, um, I always wanted to be, because I guess it kind of comes from my family background. They run a small family business. So I was always constantly working in this like environment of like a small lean team and you're constantly going through like you have a lot of changes, very volatile. So I like that environment. Right. Um, and um, I always thought that like I wanted to have a I wanted to do something on my own. 
So I left the job in the law firm and I started my first startup, uh, which was uh, I wanted to have a tech platform for entry lux designers, young designers to find buyers around the world because you know they only have two seasons per year and it was very difficult for them. What happened was, I guess, we raised a little too early. So what happened was, um, you know, and then you start to think about the cost, you got to pay the, you know, the payrolls and all the things and it dries you up, right? And we ended up just uh, opening retails after retails in Singapore and the rental was very, very high. So in the end, it wasn't very sustainable. So after a year, year and a half of trying, um, I closed them all and went back to working in a law firm. <laughs> so that's when I thought, okay, I'm not going to do business. I'm not going to do, comp- I'm not going to do a startup. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, um, you're done. I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm done. So I'm gonna go back to law firm and, and want to be alert. So, um, and I worked for about a year um, there, and I realized um, that's when I kind of had my full hands on in in law firms and working legal industry. And my calling was, and then you know, once again, I left the law firm. The story being mainly <laughs> was that I realized, you know, even no matter the size of the law firms, I think it just applies not just to my ex firm, but you know, it's everywhere that. Um, especially for professionals or actually with other big organizations, they have this like, they're very siloed, right? And they're very federated. So, um, you know, the information doesn't get shared properly, the communication really bad, and there's no transparency and no accountability. And when it comes to that, and it, and it may create, you know, uh, unfavorable environment. And I feel that I felt that the ones who kind of, you know, um, had the biggest disadvantage are the ones who are the young, you know, younger ones, right? So the juniors mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, my generations of uh, people trying to build a career um, in a quite an, you know, um, unhealthy environment of, you know, a lot of corporates out there. So I wanted to make a change. Um, you know, it kind of came very personal to me at that time. Um, and, uh, and I left and then yeah, and then I started MOA. So MOA kind of started off as um, wanting to create sort of like a CRM and BD tool for lawyers. And then once you go deep and deep and diving deep into this tech and all this, what technology can do, and you know, you, you realize there are a lot of other problems that you can solve with the teams that you have created, with the company that you have created. So yeah, so we have been going on for about a year. Um, and you know we have expanded our team over the year. It was it was not easy. It was a roller coaster, mm-hmm. um, but we're really happy. And and the main thing that our our, our mission and our goal of the company is that you know we are here to make changes, right? We're here to make impact for the clients. You know, um, yeah. So that's that's how I started off, and that's how where I am right now. So wait, so you form Moa, yeah, after you left the law firm or before that. I, so I formed Moa after I left the law firm. So that was a oh, very risky move. I see. <laughs> no, no. I see. I, before I, you know, before I, I had Moa. So I just quit my job and I was like, I wanna, I wanna change the legal industry. I was very ambitious, right? Because I think mm-hmm. everyone starts off with very ambitious statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I realized that actually there's a lot of, you know, everyone. I, it's not only me. A lot of people in mm. the industry have the same calling. But yeah. how you're going to execute it is everything. So yeah. that's when I kind of fine-tuned and started going into details about how and yeah. why and where I want to make changes. Uh, so do you oh, have good. like people telling you like, oh, why are you starting a business again after you uh, close down your previous business? Or like, how do you actually tell them like, this is like my calling? Well, I, I you know, funny enough, like I would say 
um, when it happened for the second time, everyone kind of like, huh, like I knew it kind of thing because I think it was more of a shock the first time. I think honestly, everything you do, you know, the first time is always the hardest, right? So actually, I, I was feeling, actually, you know, I always say this, like leaving the job, um, you know, in my previous farm and starting this was, was really like the easiest decision to make because that's something I wanted to do. But then the first time was difficult because, you know, it's your first job and you really want to do well. And, um, and you know, like you're not sure. And when I did my first startup, I was only 21 years old. <laughs> So, you know, it was, it was very difficult, you know, because you're young and you're working with people who are 10, 15 years more experienced than you. And um, so how I even started my first startup was that I remember I took leave um, during the, during while I was in the farm and went to Paris by myself, like printed on name cards and just went to the trade show, which is on the Louvre, which is a, it's called Tranoi. So it's the largest um, trade shows in the world. And I just went there, like met like hundreds of designers, collected hundreds of name cards. And from there, like I wanted to build my own connection, right? Because I was working in the family business and I wanted to do something of my own. Mm. And of course it didn't turn out well. And I was very devastated. Um, so I felt like, okay, I'm just done with this. But um, sure. you know, you just know that all these experiences have actually built your persona, built your identity. So actually by the end of it, in the second time when, when I left, it wasn't really a hard decision at all. I see. So this is the part whereby I think I can relate. I think Atira, you, you, you have the same sentiment as well. In, in a way, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not really, I guess. But well, you, you were in my first startup. Alright? And you know how, how, annoyed, how annoyed I get when people say, Jose, let me tell you the truth, you will always fail in your first startup. <laughs> and I get really annoyed, I get really pissed. Why, why do I have to fail the first startup? Why? Right? So we were really very passionate. So I can feel your passion as well, Yunus. 18 months later, I announced, hi guys, I want to talk to you about my second startup. So, so that was what literally happened to me uh, and my team. So yeah, that is I mean, a, I feel for you, Jose. <laughs> because there's so, so much passion and so much devotion you put on too. And, and to only face the reality during the judgment day whereby you have to make decision either to pivot, to move on, to do something else or you just want to what like uh, i think there's certain perspective there isn't it yeah some realization as well yeah but good for you right now moa yeah i mean i guess but i i would say you know definitely um it's a lot a lot different um the ways that that i'm doing moa versus how i was doing the other startup because I think one mistake maybe is because I made that mistake um, is mm. that um, I think when entrepreneurs, they first start with a startup, um, it's about them, right? Like as in when I first started retail, it was about me. Like I wanted yeah. to do a startup and yeah, that's why I right. did it. And that's why I think that's why you failed because I wasn't thinking about, I didn't do it for the startup. I did it for me too, mm. you know, because I want to live that lifestyle of having a startup and hustling true, and all true. that. And yeah. that was a mistake. And that just, so we didn't have clear identity of a company itself. And, mm -hmm. um, and you know, cash doesn't solve anything, right? So in the end, it just, it just fell away. But for me, uh, for, for right now, I think the difference it makes is that for me, um, we focus on more like the start, like the company itself. So even mm -hmm. when we have co-founders or anybody join the team, I don't really think of it as like, oh, I want to, it's my calling. I want to do this. I want to make change. It's not about that. I think it's about more being able to make change. So we see more like 
as like our baby, right? And all of us got to nurture it and all of us got to like, you know, grow it and really take care of it and make sure that Moa can, it's like, it's like raising a child and make sure that he can mm-hmm. do something in the world. And that's the kind of the change in perspective, right? So mm-hmm. naturally um, you, you kind of let go of a lot of things like, you know, you want to, and then you trust and then you want to get as many advices as possible. You're not like stubborn, like you, you listen to even like, you know, the criticisms that come and you make changes and there's not, it's not about what I want more to be, it's what more yeah. has to be, right? So I guess making that change really, it was a, it was a main difference and why I could do more till this day and, and it's going like a lot in a different way than, and how it's going before. So I Agreed. guess that's yeah, Agreed. Yeah. I, I would say that it is as we progress and as we make mistakes and fail, we learn. Right. Like yeah. you, you obtain so much experiences that you're, right now you're sharing and you know what are the things that you do not want to do, what are the things that you want to do for more and what's, what's best, right? As compared to one or two years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's also a lot of courage. Like uh, probably Atira will share her story as well when it comes to content writing. Uh, so when it comes to entrepreneurship, whereby you tell people this very startup, let's say your first startup, you're going to make it. And, you know, comes the day whereby judgment day, whereby, you know, it's not really going anywhere. Um, it takes a lot of courage to, to end it and to take a, to walk. It takes courage to walk away from it. It takes courage to identify, Hey man, at the end of the day, I'm still entrepreneurial. You know, I, I still want to get back into the business where I want to be an entrepreneur. You know? I, I want to be a founder. And that takes courage again because by the time you set up your second startup or third or fourth, you are actually embracing your mistake. And it's also part of judging, isn't it? Like the public, people surrounding you, how would they look at you? Or but this is a second startup? What's new? You know, third one? Yeah. So I think, first of all, you, there's a lot to be applauded about. You know, first thing is the bravery and the courage. Thank you, Jose. Same goes, goes to you. I think, um, you know, it's really, I always tell my friends or anyone who really ask about, oh, how is it doing? Like, how is it in a startup life? And I always tell them, I don't recommend it to you um, because I never <laughs> recommend this because it's just, it's not about you, right? I have this, I have this um, sort of the rules that I live by, right? So in, in life, I think there are three things that's the hardest thing to do. So out of the three things, the easiest is us, you know, studying because you just got to study, get good grades and that's it. You know, it's very fair, uniform. And the second hardest thing to do well is to get a, you know, do well in a job because not only you have to be good and smart, but you have to be liked by your boss. Doesn't matter how good you are. If your boss doesn't like you, then that's it. And the third most difficult thing, most difficult thing to do in life, I think, is to run your startup and make it into a good business because it only not takes your your talent or the people liking you, right? But it also, for me, I think it takes God's blessing because sometimes it's really, you know, like the what, you know, I always tell um, the, even the team within our team that, you know, we wouldn't be here where we are if it weren't for like a lot of miracles that have happened along the way. Miracles meaning not just things happening, um, but you know, it's we have, we have so many, like not many, but like we have people who are coming to us and helping us, you know, because they see some, like they, they, they do believe in us. And for that, even them taking that faith and helping us, you know, we are so grateful and we are so thankful, right? We just think that, I don't think, I mean, 
I don't think it's, I don't want to go into the religious part, but what I'm trying to say is it takes more than you. It takes more than your team. I think it takes more than anything. It takes a certain special something, right? A lot of people try to correct what that is. Like, why would Insta fail? Why would MySpace or Facebook would make it? Like, I think a lot of people say it's about timing, right? But you can never control timing. And you wouldn't even know when the time is good. If, the t- if everyone knew, people, everyone will be having a unicorn, right? Unicorn startup, but it's not, you know, economists cannot figure it out. People cannot figure it out. It's just like a, it's, it's a gut feeling plus, you know, something really, you know, so for, for us, you know, we are, we have always this motto that, you know, whoever helps us along the way, and that includes people who are joining our team, right? Our own team members. I'm so, I tell them I'm so grateful for them every day because yeah. without, you know, it's, it's, is nothing right i mean it's it what makes a startup is a people really and people make ideas people make changes so we, we are forever like so grateful and you know we'll tell them you know when we make it right wherever we go we'll try to give back right whoever helped us and in the ways that they helped us we'll try to help back and and i yeah. I, I can identify a, a perspective there from the way you perceive and the culture that you instill the team instilled into more it's about gratitude. It's about being yes. graceful, gratitude. Yes. You know, what happens to you, embrace it. Because it's like half, half glass filled, empty. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to see? You know, both sides of the coin. Uh, and I think leadership is very important, isn't it? Because whoever that leads the team kind of like instill all the negative vibes, then basically everything happens is bad. You know? Yeah. So do you believe in luck? Like, like luck? That special I something? I don't believe in luck. Because um, I don't believe in luck. I think you're, I think, but then I think there are certain things as opportunities and chances. So I don't believe, I don't think there's luck when things come to you for us. I mean, for us, right? When things come to us, we see it as a chance and opportunity that we can take, but we have to give back. Cause I feel that what, at the end of the day, what goes around comes around, right? Work, there's, there's no separation between life and work, right? So you live a good life. You're a good person. We are, you know, you're honest. You never, you know, oversell. You don't lie about what you can and cannot do. And you're honest to your team and you're transparent about all the things you do and whoever helped you, you know, like you, you are grateful and you give back. And, and when you have that healthy cycle, I think it's not really luck. Like you're making the luck, right? Because, um, I... you know, you gotta be a genuine. Yeah. Because I think it's, it's not yeah yeah so i think what comes around kind of you know what goes around comes around yeah i i read about it there are four four kinds of luck you guys heard about it what what the fuck no i don't think so please do share (laughs) oh really uh what now in a nutshell i'll probably charge no 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 i I may have forgotten (laughs) the some of the details of it but uh the four kinds of luck uh the first kind of luck basically it's uh, just luck you know you can call yourself lucky you know what people always just put it in the very superficial manner oh that guy's just lucky it could be position as timing, yeah? The second kind of luck is basically very internal, internal uh, by, by this person's principle, this person's guideline, rules of thumb, how he or she behaves, his attitude, uh, how she delivers, and that will basically have people perceive and, all right, this is the kind of person, he is accountable, he's credible, he's very responsible. So this, this actually, offspring opportunity or chances, whatever you call it, for people who, who wants to listen to you more, pull them closer to you and expand your circle, whatever, whether it's for religious purposes, for business purposes, or for relationship purposes. 
you 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 kind of expand that way, and the third kind of luck is you getting people to be influenced by you, to kind of believe in in what you're doing as well. So if Yunse is doing this in Moa, then more people want to preach and teach and follow what Yunse is doing. You know, uh, be positive, be grateful, and keep doing that. And does that help Moa? Yeah, it does because the the aerial effect is not just you right now. It's an entire community. And if the rest of the startup is doing the same thing, the rest of the business owner are, and leaders are doing the same thing. These are all thought leaders. This will continue to spread to interconnected community as well. And the last kind of luck is basically, I may have lost it, but the last kind of luck is you position yourself as, uh, you know, the, the, the higher self. You know, you are the Dalai Lama. You know, you are the Gary Vee. You know, you are the uh, Jim Quay. You are the Nelson Mandela, you know. So people come to you for advice. So four kinds of luck. And from the way I concluded, um, believe it or not, part of it is self-created. I'm not saying entirely, but portion of it, it can be self-created. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and I really like what you said about like you make your own luck. I think that's something that like a lot of people think. But, because, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you think about like, for example, Jack Ma, was Jack Ma lucky at all? Because if you say that he's just lucky, then it kind of like discredit all the hard work that he put in, or like exactly. all the hard work that you put in to create your own startup. Yeah, yeah. I I I may have missed out some because part of the 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 four types of luck, one of it, the, the elements of it is more people will come and help you, more people will come and believe and support you. I think I did uh, on the last one, right? So um, I don't think one person can actually just say that I create luck, you know, the hell with opportunity, I create opportunity. There, there's always some gratitude involved. Like, I don't think one person can pull through the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I think when it comes to opportunities, maybe that could be luck because I think for us, I mean, I don't know about others, but I think opportunities kind of came, but it was a chance, right? Whether we take it and do it in a positive way and, but, or, or do we take it in the other side? And I think, you know, Part of it, I would say 50, 50. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes if you take opportunity and you don't do well with it, um, it can really you know, work against you. And that's what I think happens with some of the startups who let's say, you know, there are a lot of horror stories like you raise too early, you raise too much. And that mm -hmm. was a great opportunity for the startup, but um, they could have much shorter runway because then they expand their operation too fast and they were not ready for it. And, um, you know, so I guess, it's really about what you do with it that counts more than the opportunity itself. Um, yeah. And then that's the most difficult thing to achieve, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we we want to take this opportunity for like Kazi podcast to really reflect on resilience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's, there's no way anyone in the mm -hmm. world, startup or not, can say, oh, I've never faced any setback. I don't face from, I don't have obstacles in front of me. Either you are really lucky or you're just too overly positive, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, to answer you whether I raised the money too early or I raised the money too late, then because I didn't have the runway, so hence I have to close down the business. I think it's how adapt adaptable you are and how much you, it's all about execution and your resilience. Yeah, no? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, they say that startups die for two reasons. One is that um, they run out of money or uh, two, they just give up. And that's absolutely true. I don't think I've ever actually heard of a startup that um, they kind of die because there's no traction, there's no interest. In. I mean, Third. I think 
long as you try, it will come. It's just a matter of when, right? So if your idea is really bad, it's going to take longer. So I think the important thing is if it's bad, you see it's bad, just pivot, you know? That's the perk of being a startup. Pivot before it's too late. <laughs> what, what about co-founders conflict as a third reason to fail? Yeah, absolutely. There is, I think there's that as well. The, yeah, so I guess it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like an everyday practice that you need to do, or everyday discipline that you need to do. You got to check, like, everything is aligned, expectations, everything, the morales mm. and everything is good within the team. Every, it's an everyday work, you know. Just because it's a startup, I don't believe in, like, let's do it half as for this. And that, it's, it's not that way. I think you probably got to do more because you have a mm-hmm. smaller team. And you're mm-hmm. trying to maybe compete with other industry players who are much, much bigger than you and have a lot more resources. So you got to do more, right? Um, you got to do more proper. And that, that, that's the challenge of doing a startup. I think it's really doing a startup is, I think you're creating, you're creating something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly difficult. Um, and of course, there's so many setbacks, so many so many rejections it's you know it's very cliche right or don't t- mm. do not never take no for an answer that's true because if you take no for an answer you will not be there anymore but also you gotta mm. take very constructive sort of um uh stand on where these criticism coming from like let go of the, mm-hmm. for me like i've let go of all the things like the more has to go the way i want it to be it's never that way more will go the way that our clients and other people like see us and what they see in us and they're giving constructive criticism and feedback. And that's where we got to go. Right. Um, mm. Cause you as a person can do so much, you know, um, it's about how you're going to use all these great resources that you have great, the help that you have, you put it together mm. and then you nurture the company. Where, where, do, where do you place yourself when it comes to being open to criticism? Um, uh, I would normally say um you know like it's the same thing as you know when you read let's say a market research paper right you look at the author right and then you try to understand their perspective before you read the things so for for us when we try to take criticism we think about you know why is this person like what is what is a position that person has and what 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 is his you know motive and agenda when he's saying all this right Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. it comes from a good place even if it's very negative yeah I would take it. I would take it as, you know, as a constructive criticism, we'll act on it. Um, yeah. If it's coming from a place, you know, some people maybe, you know, some people have this, you know, very biased view on like, they hate mm-hmm. stuff. And, and then they yeah. just want to be on you. Then, you know, we'll probably not take that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess surrounding yourself with people who genuinely, you know, care for you and genuinely want to help you out, but they're telling you the things you do not want to hear we will still hear and we'll still, you know, act on it. I just want to share this one interesting thing. Um, It's just, it's kind of, so when I was back doing the retail, I had this meeting. So I was in Korea. I had this meeting with this very um, uh, famous, uh, not famous. I mean, he had, he had a couple of like stores in Karosuki, which is the hottest, like an orchard road in Korea. He had like three, four stores or something. And um, he was, he was like, he was pretty a big buyer and big designer. So I met him. Right. And he's, he heard, obviously, the retail business was bad, right? The model was bad. We we're never going to make money no matter how much revenue we have. Um, and he listened to my pitch, right? And you know what he said? Like, I'm a girl, right? He's not being sexist, but he said, if you like clothes so much, go shop with the money that you're burning and close your, close your company. He said you that. Try, 
Do you try to mimic oh, exactly what? what he said in in yeah. the Korean accent? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said that exactly word by that? word. He's because he thought that basically my company was bad, like it was shit. Yeah, so, basically. Like, that if is... you like thought so much, go 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 shopping. Don't do company, because and just close the company. He said that in a meeting, and wow. I remember like it was really harsh, right? And yeah, uh, yeah, I was. And I cried, like I cried and cried, right? I, and I, I was know. like, oh, you know, these are negativity and stuff. And like, and I'm just gonna like go and still do it. And I went and did it. And I still, the result was the same. I closed the company, right? And that's it. Mm. But I think looking back, like, that guy would not ever have a bad intention in saying that. Why? Because he was actually a potential, he was a designer, right? So if mm. he tells me and sugarcoats and tell me your idea is awesome and things, he can coax me into buying his designer brand. So it was really like against his interest to tell me that my company sucks, right? So you're basically telling your buyer, your supplier, telling your buyer that your company sucks, close your company and walk away. Like, why would you say that? I met with other tons of designers who would try to like tell me that I have such great taste in clothing and like all these things, you know, and just to get me in a good mood so that I'll sign a contract with them. You know, um, and this Korean guy was different. He was honest. He was just like, I, he just, you know, and, and, and looking back, that was probably the most honest feedback. And it was the most truthful feedback that, that I think I've heard. And yeah. I would rather surround myself with people like, like that Korean, Korean guy, right? I would rather yeah. surround myself with people like that than to, when I was running retail, like so many people will try to come to you. They'll say a lot of nice things about you. They're yeah. not true. Mm-hmm. They know what you want to hear. They know mm-hmm. your vulnerability and then they use it yeah. to get you into places you don't want to be. And yeah. looking back, I would rather, I would rather, from, like, I would see, I would have 10 people like the Korean guy true. than to have, you know, it's, it's so true. It will hurt so much. It's true. It's going to hurt so much. Yeah. And I cry my eyeballs out. Like, but, you know, looking yeah. like that, you know, and that's, that's the lesson I learned. It's not about me, right? If we, if I got to take that, like, criticism, and be upset and all that you know yeah it's a role of a founder and role of a you know i gotta do that exactly like yeah who's gonna do that right you only you yeah. you care about the exactly. company than anybody else okay yeah. mm-hmm. and i remember there's one really um really famous founder that i've met um and um he told me that actually he could tell that i was very insecure and then he told me that hey i'm a, now this company is a unicorn but i'm still insecure every day this insecurity drives me to make better decisions and be paranoid aye, about the decisions for this company. So I think it's all right. I think it's normal, it's natural, and it's good, good for the company, good for you, you know? I think, I think it makes sense. It makes sense uh, to, to always stay vigilant and not to be too overly comfortable in the comfort zone because um, it's very difficult for you to adapt and innovate uh, once you're in the comfort zone. You know, because everything settles, right? You know, you're not asking for more. You're not striving for more. You're not doing your very best to improve. Um, yeah. So let's talk about um, the pandemic that we're in right now. So mm-hmm. how is your company, like, handling this whole, like, situation? Do you see any, like, opportunities? Like, even though it's, like, really bad, right, the situation. But do you see any opportunities within, like, this time period? Um, I would definitely say for tech companies, there are, when it comes to, especially in the EU, there are a lot of government tenders that are up. 
um, because they know that they're trying to support companies to adopt, you know, technologies mm. so that they can do remote work, automation, a lot of robotics and things like that. Mm. So if any comes opportunities, um, yes, you know, there are, but government tenders, there are more that are available now, but then it's gotten a lot, a lot more competitive because all the tech people that are just staying at home, they're submitting tenders. So I heard that it used to exactly. be like 100 to 1, the competition um, ratio, and now it's going to 1,000 to 1. So, you Definitely. know, yes, there are more, mm. but it's getting more competitive. Yes, there are a lot of awareness of the need for digitalization and transformation for companies to reduce labor and not rely so much on like face-to-face sort of, you know, the communication, right? But having said that, there are a lot of other established companies who are probably doing the things that you've been doing, you're trying to do. So they actually get a lot of head start, right? Because they got everything ready, got an infrastructure, the team, everything ready to like, and now the market just opened up. So it could be a lot of opportunity for them, but for a very early startup, it's still hard. I don't think it does, the COVID situation really brings that like, oh, now everybody must be wanting to buy tech. That's not true. There are a lot more tech, uh, you know, suppliers. There are a lot of companies there who are a lot more ready than you. So for us, you know, so we are trying to keep ourselves even busier, trying to do a lot more POCs, build a lot more prototypes, trying to solve. And, and, and we're trying to do tangible things as much as possible to get onto the level of readiness of other companies so that when this COVID situation is eased and, 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 and then the company is going to look for, you know, solutions to adopt, then we are ready because we are going to have the product in place. We're going to have all the uh, R&D and everything done. And having us to be that ready is our priority over um, let's take this COVID thing and try to like make noise. And I don't think that's really going to work. I mean, yeah, um, you know, because right now you're trying to, you know, like no, none of the companies are, they are considering these um, tech solutions, but, you know, they're facing a lot of crisis right now, right? Most so definitely. it's not the best time to, I guess, to pitch or, you know, they, they tell us that to never pitch at this time. Well, it's, it's good to know that you and your team is constantly building the fundamentals for the company, right? Yeah, Always absolutely. trying to improve. Yeah. So now that we are all staying at home, actually, we work a lot longer hours and we work during mm. weekends. We've actually worked during weekends all the time, but we work a lot more because we say that, hey, um, honestly, after this COVID ends, it's going to be a red race because, you know, everybody, all the their buyers will be ready, the sellers will be ready, right? So yeah. we just got to be ready. Let's take this time to build the infrastructure. Let's have very strong foundation. Let's right. have all the tech implementations in place, all the backend ready, everything ready. So that by the time we go, like you go, you know? Um, yeah, so. I believe that. You never Luck know. Luck is when preparation <laughs> meets opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you can say that. I believe that. I believe Luck that. many things. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, think, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this is my part, okay? Because we wanted the audience to know a little bit more about you as well, other than Moa, about what you've been up to. Uh, mm-hmm. Take us back, you know, what would be the greatest catastrophe you ever face in your life? Uh, what would be the greatest catas- catastrophe that I'll ever face in my life? You um, ever, yeah. Mm. I would say... Oh, you have not met yet? Um, I, I would say I haven't really... Like, it's really odd, but like a lot of, you know, some people ask me like, what are you going to do if let's say more doesn't make it in like two years time, three years mm. time, four years time. 
And to be fa- to be honest with you, I have no answer because I never think about it. Oh. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know it's a, whether it's a blind optimism um, or it's it's I don't know. But for me or with the team as well, we don't really think about like what's gonna happen with like we don't really, we really mm. don't think about it. I think it's just genuinely not there. So I wouldn't. Re- I just think about what problem we have today, what problem we have yeah. tomorrow, like very near yeah. future, and just think about how we're gonna solve it. That's it. Um, mm. We don't try to think about the doomsday. We don't try to think about what's the bad, the worst thing that can happen to us. Like we never think about it. I think uh, so. I, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind. <laughs> and yeah. this, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, for us, you know, we always say more is for life. You know, we're family. We always call our team family. Okay. So like, we mm. always like, you're real family. We're here for life. And why is our child? And so, like, yeah, we're, we're not going to give up on our child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> gonna, so gonna... how, how do you see Moya in, say, two years' time? So in two, in two years' time, um, you know... It's not very far. Yeah, it's not very far. Because I didn't far. ask, like, yeah. 10, 15, 20 years later. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not very far. So, you know, we in two years' time, we want to ideally have done, um, like, a project. And um, so, you know, we recently... Yeah. So we started with the industry. We recently pivoted to SCM in ENC. So um, we ideally in two years time, we want to have our hands on and have a project that's going on that can, you know, ideally in, in the ENC. And that's something that's going to be very impactful, right? Because it's, it's um, yeah, and, and that's what we're very passionate about. So in two years time, we want to have more projects. We want to have more clients, bigger team. Um, and that, you know, that just, just do what we do. We don't really see it as like, we don't see as two years time, we're going to be magically something that's different than what we do. Because exactly mm-hmm. that's what we're doing now, right? We're trying to get more projects. We're trying to get more clients, building our yeah. team. So in two years time, we imagine doing the same thing, but mm. in a better place, like at a better position because we would have probably done this for two years. So I don't mm. see it as there's going to be a, you know, I used to think, oh, in two years time, we're going to go expand to this country, do that very ambitious. But now I'm thinking like, we're going to do exactly the same thing in two years time. Um, and maybe the things like nature of things we do, the content of our POCs or prototypes or our development of softwares are going to be different, right? Um, because mm. we're learning a lot, but actually we are always going to work hard. Like I will never, it's not that I'm a, like a control freak, but it's just that I love actually doing and building the POCs and researching and thinking about how we can help the industry. So we'll mm-hmm. be doing the same thing. Um, I'll always be doing this. I'll always be the one like sort of like hands-on, like doing the work and doing more research, you know, finding out more what we can do. And that mm-hmm. that's the same thing that we're going to be doing, I think. Yeah. Great. So what would be the one book that you, best book that you ever read that you can recommend? Um, one book that I've read that I would recommend. Uh, you because know, I got my preference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to say because I'm not a, I'm not a reader actually. Oh, okay. Okay. One yeah. of the best movies. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not a reader. I like, um, no. Um, I think I have this, I used to read, but like, I think going through law school and I mean, maybe it's an excuse. I just, I just mm. don't like reading in my spare time. <laughs> and, and, but, and I have some visibility on that as well. I realized that every 10 years, the kind of book that you maybe, or oh, this book used to be something I really love. And as you get older, you realize that the different genre and the different subject you're searching for, it, I mean, it happens to me. So, no, wait, Athira, what, what's the, the best book you ever read that you recommend to the listeners? 
uh, I mean, not really like, I don't think you're fit for listeners, but the one, the best book that I've read and I really love is Hunger Games. But I don't think it's something that, it, it's something that I, I'm so- Jennifer Lawrence? In, yeah, uh, that's the movie. Oh, uh, people yeah, read but, her. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> The book, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, the book, Hunger Games. So, so I was saying, uh, I, I used to think like, Who Moved My Cheese was just mind-blowing. Have you guys read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a really good book. Natira, you gotta hear. I mean, never. Singapore never... Who Moved My Tea? Who Moved My Tea? <laughs> <laughs> who Moved My Cheese, yeah. So I used to think it's a brilliant book, but that was when I was so much younger. I was still in Pali. Uh, mm-hmm. Then uh, I kind of like the peak and the valley, yeah, the peak and the valley. Mm-hmm. Then uh, these days I'm into the book of joy, yeah, written by uh, Dalai Lama. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so the kind of like search is it become different, you know, the kind of thing that you you are just searching. Uh, I think when you're young, you're searching for excitement, not nothing wrong that you're searching for 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 knowledge. Then very soon you're searching and sharing on experiences. At some point, Yunsi, Atira, at some point in your life, I guess we are about, all about the same age here, but at some point in life, you will search for maybe pretty more spiritual and enlightenment-related stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that will happen, like, yeah, that, that happens to everyone, like, at different stages of your life. Everyone? My dad don't read Book of Joy. <laughs> Maybe not read, but like maybe it's just like the mindset shift, probably. Like the yeah, things that yeah. interest him, yeah. So, which brings me to the next question, right? Like, what is meaning of life to you? What is this meaning of life? Like, what's going on right now? You know, we are waiting for the right opportunity. We want to succeed. We want to go for it. This all happened in 2019. Economy wasn't doing very well, but we didn't know there's a COVID. Then came COVID. And now it seems like all of us have to ride out. Literally ride out until... COVID die for. Could be 2020, could be 2021. Nobody knows, right? So what is meaning of life? Is it suffering? I don't know. Like who wants to take it? Like Yun Si. Um, I would say, I mean, let's say, I mean, this is going beyond the work and everything. I think for me, um, I think for me, meaning of life is just, it's, um, In your own I mean, I'm very religious. So, I mean, taking the religious things aside, um, I would say it's for me, you know, making, I know it sounds very corny, but, um, you know, my family and, you know, the ones that have, the loved ones around me, they have been very supportive in, in doing what I do. And that includes, you know, the team members of MOA. You know, I think it takes more than, you know, I've, I, you know, I've actually never, I've never been this person in the, in the, in the last years. And I really regret that is that um, I think meaning, meaning of life is to, it's not just about making yourself happier. I used to think that it's about you being happy and you wanting to do what you want to do. Until I came to the point that it's actually not, you know, it's more than you, right? Um, and there's something bigger than you. And, um, and there are reasons why, you know, you're doing certain things, probably to also to make positive impacts on others. You know, um, when somebody helps you, it's for you to give the help back. Um, and I think that's just a part of living a life Surround in an ecosystem and you know surrounded by humanity in general, right? And you're part of that puzzle, right? You're not. I used to think everything revolves around me, 
and it's about me what I want to do like find your own calling and purpose in life and all that and then I realized actually no like if you do something bad let's say it worries your family it worries your loved ones and it, it will cause a chain effect you know when you do something bad you're a bad example to someone or you're running a startup and there if you if you if you do bad in the startup your employees are going to suffer your co-founders are going to suffer your investors will, will suffer your clients will suffer it's like it takes i think what i've learned is, is beyond me so mm. i want to be a positive impact and positive the chain of reaction right while i'm living on this earth you know i think nice that that's what i know it sounds so corny but that's what i learned that all, I, I realized that and it really came to me when i saw that when i whenever i was suffering and i was going through like and i used to think i'm the one suffering i'm the one crying i'm the one feeling mm. really bad mm. you know mm. but i realized that it really hurts people around me right like it hurts my my parents it also hurts my loved ones and and you know and they've been there for you and they've given you love and support and it was it's like so if you fail you're not just failing yourself you're failing others too and so you're responsible to whatever you do and especially for a startup you're taking a huge responsibility i think even to ask for a co-founder to join you any of any any of the team to join you for me i take it as it's a huge responsibility right because i got to do well this company got to do well and 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 i as my life got to do well to make my family happy you know and and mm. for me it there was a transition you know that's why i always believe in when you get something give back it's not yours you know it's your part of that small part of that huge cycle you know people maybe they're helping you because they got help before it is is a it's a circle is a circle right it's a circle of life i i mean you know what i mean it's it's and yeah i think you're only very small part of the equation of what this world and i think what this is a is what this humanity is meant to be through the covid and things you know everything happened but how it impacts you and what you do with it matters right and impacts others um and because you are responsible you're born you know that's why i think you should always care about when you're you know let's say when you're born in a certain level of you know society right let's say even if you're a middle upper middle class doesn't mean that you don't think about the ones who are you know working class because it's you're responsible you're born and and you're taking things you're probably doing well at the cost of others you know it's always a balance right when there's a wealthy ones they're always the poor and then the the gap will be bigger when you're you know in a socialist or other society where you're less off then everyone's there's a equilibrium right so i think in general you just got to always be whatever privilege that you have whatever blessings that you have that you know is a balance in life and i think you got to be responsible to give back some of it and and to make positive impact and to think about others and i think that's so important i used to really not think about all these things mm. until i realized that when i was when i was really hitting rock bottom mm-hmm. it was those people who had this kind of thinking and who helped me and believed in me and mm. and that really like touched me so much right and that really mm. got me thinking oh my god i want to be that person who really helped me because i know what it feels like when i was in the dark bottom this really mm. like it saved my like life as in the sense that i'm here because of them So I want to mm. be someone like them like you know and that's the most beautiful thing I think that you can do. Nice. That was very well addressed. Thank you, Yunsu. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. I mean <laughs> I'm not trying to say It's it's really very insightful. Yeah, I think really, yeah, yeah. What about But the you? listeners will love it. Yeah, what me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what about you? Yeah. The meaning of life. Yeah, yeah. 
pretty much, uh, you have summed it up all for us. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I used to think that, to be honest, in the very, uh, in a society like this, when I was younger, right? Because to me, everything is about winning. And if you want to win, so in the, in the, in the single man's race, it's, it's about you. You being focused. You being driven. You at your best condition. You know, don't slow me. Don't, I'm not going to wait for you. Don't drag me. Hello. So it's, it's very much onto me, myself, and I. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. When, yeah, when I'm on the high, I got myself to, to tank, right? Because it's me. When I'm on the low, oh my God, because, you know, it must be this person that I'm working with, not as capable, not as incompetent as me, you know, fire this person. Uh, so everything, it's all about me, the intention. So I will not say that is a selfless thought. It's a very extremely selfish thought. Uh, it takes a lot of maturity and uh, courage as well, you see, to speak like how you eloquently just put across the sound in 10 minutes, you sum it up so beautifully. I say the listeners will, will definitely benefit from what you just shared because when, 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 which is why at a certain moment, I really appreciate the book that I've read, which is A Pick and the Valley, because when you're on a high at a very young, young age, and re reality brings you, brought you back to ground zero, you will hide for a while, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, calls that you don't want to answer. You don't even know you have a phone anymore because it's so embarrassing. But what is the next step you're going to take? And, you know, the first, first reaction will be, you know, Atira, I blame you. you know? And uh, I, it's your fault. Uh, but it takes a lot of courage to, to own it up and say that, you know, it was me that did it. I did it. I did this to myself. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to be responsible. Yes, there's ripple effect. Every cause, there's an action. Every, uh, every, if, every action, there's a reaction as well. So I start taking accountability about how I see things, you know, instead of being selfish, I've been selfless, which is why I started to appreciate books like, you know, what the book of joy example, and start following the right kind of people. Um, and, and that is very important. We could use more um, thought leadership like this, because now it's really awful times. You know, a lot of companies are closing down, people are losing their job. And when you announce lockdown, I'm not saying, a particular country, but when you announce knockdown, uh, uh, the, the lockdown of the entire country, people start panicking and they do what? Hoarding, they start rushing, buying, stocking up, and it's everyone for themselves. Am I not right to say that? So 2020, you could be a very selfish person or you could take this in line and learn that, you know what, now that we are in this situation, it's even more important, immersely important that we think of we should be selfless. That's how we stand up. That's how we survive. And that's how we sustain. Because what goes around comes around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, help yourself before you help others too. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very I, important as well. Yeah, I think to be able to help, that's a privilege to help others. I think yeah. at the right time, and right now, is so many businesses are yeah. suffering, closing down, and yeah. so heartbreaking. Um, so I, I just feel that, I really hope that everyone will recover it's not realistic that everyone will recover but i think you know compared to other countries singapore government has been super i mean they're they're you know they've been very organized they try to get back um and try to ease the restrictions where people can still go about for that you know for their day and do business and still having this like the qr codes and all that it really is it, mm. it's still a control and that's so important right um to have that organization there so I think I'm really grateful to be in this country. Yeah. This time. Um, you Good know, in Korea, 
um, there are businesses there because a lot of private landlords. So there are businesses that are like running restaurant for 30 years, generations, right? And the landlords demand payments at this time when, you know, restaurants are doing so bad and a lot of SMEs and family businesses are going up, you know, going mm. bankrupt and things and um, being chased out. And uh, that's, that's something that you don't really see in Singapore. So I'm mm. really grateful for that, you know. Um, Good to know. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to our government. Yeah, I mean, really, really yeah. good job. You know, um, it's a crisis, and, and the way they managed it is, it's. Mm. I think it's really, really good compared to many other That's countries. No. Gotta be grateful for that. Yeah. yeah. So we're almost coming to the end of the podcast. I have one last question for us to take away, particularly to you, Yunsu. If you can go back in time and change one thing, what is the one thing you would go back and do it differently? One thing that I would go back and do it differently. Um, so one thing I actually regret the most is um, it's not the failure, it's not the money that's been burned off and everything, because I feel like that would have been inevitable because I was just not good enough, you know, um, to lead it. Um, one thing I really regret is during the time when I was there, or actually even in the law firms or anything, there were some times like that, you know, people, colleagues and partners I used to work with. And, you know, something went bad, right? So we had a very bad breakup, um, you know, the, and he ended, some of them ended really ugly. You know, I've, I've come now to like very much calmer and kind of self, because I learned from the bad breakups. And, you know, it was to the point like, I sue you, you sue me and all that. Um, and that's what I regret the most because now, I mean, everything is okay. We're, we sometimes talk and then, you know, but that's what I regret the most. I'm really sorry for the ways that I, I think, you know, everyone cares about certain things, but don't let that ruin the relationship you have with others. Mm. Don't let that. Yeah. And for me, I thought, I think it was just me not being able to, you know, contain the emotions. Sometimes things get said and you get really emotional and, and you say things that you regret and they ruins the mm. relationship. And I felt that um, that's what I regret the most. Cause I think as you grow older, right. And as you, it's, it's a lot harder to mend relationships, a lot harder mm. to, yeah. It's a lot, it's like, it's so easy to break the trust in the relationship than to actually have one. Um, so I really regret, um, you know, falling apart with my business partner back in the days mm. at such, um, you know, but, you know, I really, so that's what I regret, actually. I felt that that was very mature and that's something that I felt like, and yeah, something that I've learned I'm not doing anymore. And uh, but it's just the, the kind of the grief that I've caused probably. And that's something that I, I regret the most. Yunsu, listen, man, I, I, I bet if they are listening right now, tuning in, they will know. Yeah. <laughs> That's maturity speaking. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think this is the part where Atira comes in. Yeah. We have our RFA. Is it RFA? Yeah. So before we end, like we're going to do like a rapid fire questions. R rapid, rapid fire away questions. RFA, Test, yeah. Testing your reflexes. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> so this is kind of like very short one word or like one sentence kind of answers and it's really not related to business. So mm -hmm. uh, the first question is what's your go-to drink? Vodka. Vodka. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite color? Blue. Oh, the same as I, I love blue as well. Um, are you more of like a cat or like a dog person? Neither. I'm not. I'm not nope. a pet person at all. <laughs> <laughs> I choose dog. 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 
Yeah, a lot of people are dog dog people. Yeah, and um, if a zombie apocalypse break out right now, what's the first priority that comes to mind? What's the first priority? Get food. Get food. Get food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so guys, we have almost come to, due to limited time, we come to the end of today's episode. Uh, I really hope you guys gain really insightful uh, information and definitely, you know, value bombs from Yun Si herself. You can find out more on Yun Si, her and the startup uh, on the website, www.moa.com, M-O-A-A-H.com. That's right, okay. And of course, once again, thank you for coming to Kazi Podcast. Uh, thank you, you so much for it was super fun thank you so much for having me and listening to my no problem <laughs> yeah. all that. being very patient very thank you inspiring. everybody putting effort for this so i really appreciate it and to all our listeners we are very open we encourage you to leave a comment or review on from wherever you're listening we hope to uh, get your feedback and of course for you guys to join us for our next episode next week until then this is me jose my co-host Adira. <laughs> and of course, our guest here, Yunsi. Once again, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.